Welcome back to The Boy from Splendora, Texas by Wallace Gibbs. Jekyll and Freckles, Episode 1 Let's play add-on, my cousin Cheryl said as my brother Virgil and my other cousins Kimberly and James and I all headed to the trampoline in my Uncle Gene and Aunt Martha's backyard. Cheryl and Kim were the youngest daughters of Aunt Martha and Uncle Gene. James was the oldest son from my Uncle Pat's second marriage to Aunt Alice. The way that add-on is played is that the first person gets on the trampoline and performs a single feat, such as sitting on your rear and then jumping back up. Person number two would have to follow suit by sitting on their rear and then adding their own feet, like falling onto their knees and jumping back up. If person number two was unsuccessful in performing their feat, they would be eliminated from the game. This would continue until all but one person was left. I'm going to go first, Cheryl said as she climbed up on the trampoline. Slowly, she began to make small bounces and gained height. Earlier, we decided that the order for this game of add-on was going to be Cheryl, me, Kim, Virgil, and then James. Just as I had imagined, Cheryl did an easy trick and simply flopped down on her rear and then used the momentum to bounce back up. Easy, I thought to myself. As Cheryl was getting off the trampoline, I climbed on. I began to bounce. Down I went on my rear end, up, and then did a 180-degree twist with my legs, sat down, and then bounced back up on my feet. Your turn, I said to Kim. Kim sat with ease but had difficulty with the twist and was unable to get back up on her feet. You're out, Virgil shouted gleefully as he climbed on. With little effort, Virgil sat down on his rear, did the twist, sat, did a knee sit, and then jumped back up on his feet. James followed suit and added a flip at the end of the knee sit. Yikes, Cheryl said as she climbed back on the trampoline. Cheryl managed to do the sit, twist, sit, kneel, and then the flip. Her add-on was doing splits in the air before coming back down on her feet. No problem, I said. I managed to do all the tricks but was unable to get back up my feet. You're out, Virgil said. He climbed onto the trampoline and easily performed all the feats and added another sit-down before jumping back onto his feet again. James climbed onto the trampoline, but like me, he failed right after his flip. Cheryl was the only person standing between Virgil and Victory. Cheryl managed to get all the way through the leg split, but did not have the momentum to get back on her feet after the sit-down. Virgil had won round one with ease. Let's do it again, Kim said. Okay, everyone said in unison. Because Virgil had won the last game, he got to go first this time. Virgil began to bounce up and down. He did a quick flip and landed on his feet. No fair, Cheryl cried. It's a fair move. I said, depending what Virgil had done. 
Cheryl climbed onto the trampoline and was about to get started when I heard, Wallace! Everybody be quiet, I instructed. Why? Kim asked. I think I hear Mama calling, I told them. I didn't hear anything, James said. Virgil! came the call. Come home! We've got to go home, Virgil and I said. See you later. Any time that Mama was working in the yard, rather than go inside the house to call Aunt Martha to let us know that it was time to come home, she would bellow our names out, and we were always to be listening for her call. Doing this saved Mama time so that she didn't have to stop what she was doing, go inside, and make a phone call. We're coming! I hollered back. Virgil and I mounted our bicycles and started riding home. As we exited out of Aunt Martha's driveway, we both got on our bikes moving at a nice clip. We waved to Granny as we passed her house. Granny, who was stooped over working a row of beans, stood up to wave at us as we passed by. As we rode past the Samuels place, Virgil noticed that there were several small, new pens built out of four-foot-high chicken wire dotting the Samuels' yard. Inside each pen was a rooster. That's a lot of roosters, I said. What are they there for? Virgil asked. Daddy said that those are fighting roosters, I informed. You know how we had that old banty rooster that would come up behind you and spur you when you weren't looking? Yeah, Virgil replied. That was a mean rooster. I'm glad that we finally ate him. Me too. You know that I used to think that he was pecking us when he jumped on us. One day, Mama grabbed him and showed me those two spurs on the back of his legs. They were huge. Mama said that's what roosters use to fight other roosters when they are trying to make one of the hens their girlfriend. So how does Mr. Samuels get those roosters to fight if there aren't any hens around? Virgil wondered out loud. Some roosters are so mean that they'll fight anything that gets put in the cage with them. People will bring their roosters around and put them in a pen with another rooster and other people will bet on which rooster will win. A lot of time, the roosters fight until one of them is dead, I said. Maybe that's why Raleigh is so mean, Virgil pondered. Maybe so, I said. If Mr. Samuels is that mean to animals, then maybe he's mean to Raleigh, and that's why Raleigh chases after us. Virgil and I reached our driveway, and as we made the right turn into our property, our bikes crunched through the iron ore gravel that the county laid along the side of FM-2090 to serve as a shoulder. We rode up near the garage and propped our bikes against a giant oak tree that was near the house. The other day, I said, I came out here at night with Daddy and we shined the light on the trunk of that tree and it was covered in roaches. Daddy said that it was because the roach was rotten on the inside and the roaches liked to make their homes in the hollow part. I'd like to see that, Virgil replied. The next time that you see it, come get me. Sure thing. As we entered the utility room from the garage, Virgil and I could smell the aroma of Mama's homemade soup. 
Mama made the best soup in the world, and we always looked forward to the nights that we had it for supper. First, Mama would open a quart of her canned tomatoes, the ones that she put up from the previous year. Next, she would pour in a quart jar of her potatoes, green beans, a yellow onion, some celery, fresh carrots, and a soup bone that she would pick up at the grocery store when she went into town. Any time that we had soup, Mama would make two pans of cornbread that she would bake in her large and medium black cast iron frying pans. Why did we have to come home so early? Virgil asked as we rounded the corner into the kitchen. Your daddy and I have someone coming over tonight that we want to discuss some businesses with, Mama replied. I need for you and Virgil to get your chores done right now and then come in and take a bath. Yes, ma'am, we replied dejectedly in unison. As we exited the house through the garage, we both spotted Gina coming up the driveway, riding her horse, Lady. Hey, where have you been? I asked as Virgil and I ran to meet her. Me and Tony Lockhart rode down to Buffalo Hole, Gina replied. Buffalo Hole was a deep, hollowed-out spot near the bridge that crossed the San Jacinto River. Local teenagers and sometime kids my age would go there to swim. Some of the kids had set up a cable and trolley that began in a tall tree on one side of the river and was secured across the river in another tree. Kids would climb up the boards nailed to the side of the tree for a makeshift ladder and then perch precariously on the plywood and two-before platform awaiting their turn with the trolley. We're eating early tonight, I said as Gina dismounted from Lady. Why is that? Gina asked. Mom and Daddy have someone coming over tonight to talk business with them, Virgil said as he filled in the details. Gina, I need for you to come in and help me get dinner on the table, Mama shouted from the kitchen window. I need to go take the saddle off Lady and then take her to the pasture. After that, I'll be in to help, Gina answered back. Never mind, I'll get Gail to help me, Mama hollered as we heard the kitchen window snap shut. You two had better go do your chores before you get into trouble, Gina prompted. Virgil and I took off to the back part of the property. Stop! I shouted. I forgot the egg basket. I'll go on and start watering the animals, Virgil said. I ran back into the house and grabbed the wire, chicken-shaped egg basket that was on a shelf in the utility room. I turned around, slammed the door, and ran to meet Virgil in the chicken yard. Virgil had started watering the animals when I arrived. Two of the white leghorn chickens were outside of the fence walking round and round trying to find a way back in. I opened the gate to the chicken yard and made a wide berth around the chickens to get on the other side of them so that I could coax them into the yard. Both went in fairly easily and headed directly for the water bowl. After taking several long drinks, they followed each other as they headed to the chicken feeder. Looking around, I spotted Jekyll resting near the hen house. Hello, girl, I said as I picked her up and began to pet her. How are you doing today? Jekyll sat 
and watch me with the pupil of her yellow-orange eye constantly adjusting as she tilted her head from side to side, studying me. Come on, Wallace, Virgil shouted from the pig pen. Let's finish up before Mama starts yelling at us to get dinner, to get to the dinner table. I quickly set Jekyll down and began collecting the eggs. From the top row of hutches, I collected a total of seven eggs. From the bottom row of hutches, I collected six large eggs, two banty eggs, giving me a total of 15 eggs. I carefully placed each egg into the wire basket and made my way back to the chicken yard gate. In the meantime, Gina had made it back to the pasture with Lady. She had taken Lady's saddle off and put it in the old garage. Gina then took the lead and halter off of Lady and let her go. Lady stood next to Gina for a minute and then meandered over to the watering trough that Virgil had just filled up. Come on, Gina said, I'll walk with you to the house. As we entered the house through the utility room, Mama began barking out orders to all three of us. Gail and Charlotte had set the table and poured everyone a glass of sweet tea, with the exception of Daddy and Gina. Daddy always drank unsweet tea, and Gina would always drink a glass of milk with dinner. On occasion, someone would accidentally fill Daddy's glass with sweet tea, and it was always funny to watch Daddy screw up his face and ask for a fresh glass of tea. The ironic thing was that Daddy had a sweet tooth and would eat all sorts of sweets, but demanded that his tea be unsweetened. Boys, go wash your hands, Mama commanded. Gina, can you go get your Daddy? I think he's in the old garage. Soon afterwards, Daddy entered the utility room with Gina following. Daddy headed towards the back of the house and into his bedroom so that he could wash his hands. We all took our places at the table and waited for Daddy to arrive. Virgil, why don't you say the blessing tonight? Daddy said upon returning and as he settled down into his chair. Father in heaven, Virgil began, Thank you for today. Thank you for the food we are about to receive. Please bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, we all said in unison. Mama took the suit ladle that was sitting next to the pot, stirred the contents, and served Daddy a large bowl full of steaming soup. Next, she took Virgil's bowl and served him a ladle full. She then filled her bowl and handed the ladle to Gail. Everyone took a turn serving themselves as I waited patiently, hoping that no one would take my onion. Finally, the ladle came my direction. I swirled the contents of the soup pot and scooped up the whole onion first thing and put it into my bowl and then filled the remaining space with the vegetables and soup stock. Does anyone want part of the meat from the soup bone? I asked. I do, Virgil stated. Wallace, give me the ladle and I'll divide the meat between the two of you, Mama said. Gina, would you pass the cornbread around? Yes, ma'am, Gina replied as she took a piece and then passed the plate to Gail. As the plate made its journey around the table, everyone took a piece, leaving Daddy the last piece from the batch that was in the large skillet. 
I filled my spoon full of vegetable soup and began to gently blow on it to help cool it off. Once it was the right temperature, I began to sip the hot liquid. The acidic bite from the tomatoes washed across my tongue, and then I put the rest of the spoonful into my mouth and bit down to chew on the medley of vegetables that came with the broth. Mama, this soup sure is good, I said. Sure is, Virgil followed. Thank you, Mama replied. Please get to eating, because Daddy and I have business that we would like to attend to. I saved the onion until very last. I went and got a steak knife, and then sat back down, cut the onion into four pieces, and then scooped each piece right into my spoon and stuck it in my mouth. I was always amazed at how an onion could go from being spicy hot to a sweet tangy flavor when stewed with other vegetables. I was glad that none of my siblings really liked the flavor because it left the onion all to me. I never even considered that Mama or Daddy might like some of it. I just assumed that Mama put it in the soup just for me. We each finished our piece of cornbread and our bowl of soup when Virgil asked, Can I have a piece of cornbread with syrup on it? Yes, you may, Mama answered. Gail, can you please get up and get the blackburn syrup from the pantry? Yes, ma'am, Gail replied as she got up to get the syrup. Did you know that cheerleader tryouts are next week? I was thinking about trying out for the squad, and I wanted to know what you and Daddy thought about it. Since I drive the bus to most of the away games, I don't see that it would be a problem, Mama answered. Is there anything that I need to do? No, ma'am, Gail excitedly replied. Charlotte sat across the table staring blankly at Mama. I didn't think that we were allowed to try out, Charlotte said. Gail's got really good grades, and besides, Mrs. Davis called today to talk with me about it. She says that she thinks that Gail has a really good chance of making the squad, Mama simply stated. Y'all finish up. Virgil and I finished our cornbread and syrup and left the table. You boys go lock up the chickens, Daddy said. Then come in, take a bath, and go to bed. You have school tomorrow. Yes, sir. Virgil and I answered deflatedly. Virgil and I grabbed a flashlight and headed towards the chicken yard. Do you know who Mom and Daddy are meeting with? I wondered out loud. I'm not sure, Virgil responded. Hey, listen. Virgil and I froze where we were. Across the still night air we could hear, Who? Who? Kim told me that if you really listen closely, it sounds like the owl is saying, I cook for me, who cooks for you, Virgil said. We were both silent and held our breath, hoping that the owl would sound off again. Who? Who? I heard it, I said excitedly. He is saying, I cook for me, who cooks for you? Me too. Virgil said with an eerie voice. Come on, let's go lock up the chickens. Virgil and I entered the chicken yard and walked to the chicken house and shined the light into the roost. We shined the light up into the rafters and saw a giant rat scamper by. We then scanned the rest of the roost 
with the beam from the flashlight to make sure that all was secure before we closed the door and locked it with the hook and bolt. I'll race you back to the house, Virgil taunted. Not tonight, I replied. My stomach is still full of soup. We headed back to the house, took off our rubber boots, and as we came through the utility room, we saw that a man was sitting at the table with Mama and Daddy. This concludes Episode 1 of Jekyll and Freckles.